This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Tusick. Today, I brought uh, Guy Swan back onto the show because um, it, Guy knows a lot about Taproot. So if you've been seeing on Twitter and, and everywhere in the Bitcoin space, I'm sure you've seen a lot of uh, talk about Taproot. And so I, I texted him and said, what is Taproot? And I was like, maybe you should come on and explain it to me um, in its simplest form. Um, so that's what he did. Um, and he it was a, a great explanation. He came on. So we talked about Taproot, explained to me how we're going to get into the next, um, how this little soft fork is going to work and, you know, why it's nothing to worry about, but also, you know, how the whole system works. And then... We also get into the Lightning Network a little bit of like how Lightning will work and and why it's scalable and everything like that, and uh, and also to give uh, a toot our a toot our own horns, but um, Guy and I both uh, kind of predicted the Elon stuff a, a week ahead of time. not predicted, but uh, at one point Guy uh, kind of you know shout uh, uh, shot down Elon's hash rate fud that. Um, that it, Elon came out with over the weekend. We recorded this a week ago. Um, so obviously we didn't know that was going to happen and that was going to be his thing. But uh, it's kind of funny that Elon is so afraid of the hash power being able to control Bitcoin and he has no idea. And Guy in like 10 seconds like shoots holes through the entire argument. Um, so, you know, Elon, if you want to understand Bitcoin better, just uh, maybe take a listen and, and uh, do a little research um, and then also, you know, I kind of mentioned at the end something about, you know, why it's important not to, you know, glorify, you know, these different, you know, Bitcoin heroes and everything like that. And, you know, you got to have your own conviction. So I think I think we're all learning that lesson um, and uh, it'd be important to keep going. So thanks to Guy for coming on. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you want to reach out to me, the show email is Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. And find me on Twitter at Bitcoin Simply. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the show. How's it going? Pretty good, man. How about you? All right. I uh, just finished my my 30-day cleanse, which my wife's laughing at me about because I didn't cleanse so well. <laughs> I was supposed to be in... Uh, much I finished my there. cleanse, so I'm about eighty percent cleansed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I made it like two weeks, and then it was like a really stressful day, and I just had to I had to drink a beer. I was like, oh, I had to have pizza, man. This way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, well, this is happening. Um, but uh, well, thanks for coming back on. I appreciate it because uh, yep. you know this uh, taproot thing is really confusing and. <laughs> Um, and it was in your name, so I figured you were the uh, expert in the the arena of Taproot. Yeah, I probably, uh, I got a couple things I could share. I've been reading about it and studying it for quite a while. I don't know if your mic's not plugged in or doesn't sound like your mic's getting. Oh, it might be on the wrong mic. Hold on one second. Select this. Oh, no, it's on my, it's on my webcam. One second. Okay, what about now? Oh, yeah, there we go. Better. Okay. That's the Bitcoin Audible yeah. that uh, we we all know. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, taking audio from my webcam, a little tiny little crappy thing that I 
threw together. But um, that thing sucks. Uh, dude, your uh, like your Bitcoin Audible has got to be blowing up lately. You've had some pretty uh, big updates and some, you know, big articles. It has been. It has been. It's been. Uh, it's been pretty great. I've. Uh, I think um, I'm up to something like twenty two or twenty three thousand unique listeners a week now, which is which is really exciting. It's been, wow. it's been moving right along, man. It's been moving right along. I love it. So yeah, the, uh, it's growing. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 uh, I used, I was talking the other day to family about like, and I referenced, um, I think I referenced the Petro article. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said out loud, just, I was like, I read this article and by, I read it. I mean, I listened to somebody read it. Um, <laughs> And they were like, I was like, I appreciate those that read things for me to hear it so that I can sound smarter by people pretending, pretending to read. Um, But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, I was telling that they were like, oh, is it like uh, audible? Like, um," they were like, I didn't know people did that for articles. And I, then I got to to show you out there. Guys, the man who has read anything more, more about Bitcoin than anyone else. So. um so yeah i said i i've been because i've been pushing my family to down the to go down the rabbit hole and they're all just kind of like oh, okay you know and um yeah, yeah, yeah. so hopefully like, maybe whatever they- it's not important i'll i'll get to it oh and like my sister-in-law you know and she doesn't you know she doesn't know much about it she said yesterday mm-hmm. to me she was like so what what makes you think it's gonna go up you know like and that was like the first question and i was like <laughs> um i was like oh boy this uh, let me crack my knuckles here i go <laughs> I got a long right, way to do get... this. Sit down. Yeah. Sit yeah. down. I'm going to go get you a drink. On October 31st, 2008, <laughs> Satoshi not going <laughs> to. Um, so, uh, so this taproot thing. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, I do actually. I think Alex is coming on. I after I after I read his article through you, I uh, I I, sh- I sent a message to him. With Gladstein. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Have, have you talked with him before? Is he, or have you had him on or? You know, I don't, know, I don't think I've had him on the show. We've spoken a number of times. We were on a panel together and there are a couple actually, but no, I've not had Alex on the show. That's kind of stupid. I should have, I should have done that. Um, uh, I yeah. should probably hit him up. <laughs> yeah. He, I, he's such a good resource for like, I think okay. what a lot of the Bitcoiners stand for. And I, I, my initial message to him was you had me at, um, I think he was talking to uh, Preston about, uh, you know, humanitarian stuff and that he called a Airbnb sponsoring the genocide Olympics in uh, China or whatever. And I was like, I was like, you had me at genocide Olympics. So, um, <laughs> but I do think I'm going to, I want to, um, once we can schedule it because he was the whole Saddam thing, whenever you were talking about, you know, Saddam and like Mm -hmm. how I never really understood the, the petrodollar and and how the Euro affected that. And I, as soon as I'm like cutting my grass, listening, do you read this? And I'm like yelling out loud, like, I'm like, this is why we'll never find Satoshi. Like, it's like, because you mess with the U S dollar and they invade your country and then hang you. Um, So that, that kind of blew my mind. But, uh, but anyway, so yeah, so Taproot, um, explain, I guess, give a little bit of background because I literally know nothing about it other than it's an upgrade to Bitcoin, (laughs) question mark. So, uh, signatures on Bitcoin, like, so every, every, uh, 
every transaction comes with proof that you're able to spend it, right? That you have the relevant private key and you have fulfilled some set of stipulations that say, I am the one who has done both of these things. I am the key holder, therefore I am the owner and I have met these stipulations and therefore I can spend it. And you're the only one who can prove that, right? Well, mm -hmm. whoever can you know, fulfill those obligations or is the, is the quote unquote owner the one who can move that transaction. That's quite a bit of data in relation to the transaction itself. Um, mm -hmm. like that's the bulk of the transaction data or it's the largest part. And there's been some, you know, there's a lot of different ways that this could be done, but, you know, obviously that needs to be secure. That is the ownership. That's everything in Bitcoin is it if it doesn't follow the rules uh, of the signatures and the script or whatever it is, um, then nobody can spend it. Nobody can touch it. Um, and uh, so that has kind of changed over the years. Uh, like P2SH was a way to kind of modify the signatures and do a little variation on it, um, uh, which we can get to in a minute, actually, when I talk about like one of the benefits of Taproot. Um, and then SegWit was another shift to basically where we put the signatures and, uh, you know, it fixed a minor vulnerability in the fact that you could actually tweak this because the signature is just a math problem, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes you can, uh, particularly if we're talking about like a hash, is that uh, there was this problem called a uh, transaction malleability, which means that you could actually change the signature or you could change, yeah, yeah, you could change the signature while the signature was still valid. So like in the context of like a math problem, it's like 100 plus five equals 105. Well, you could make it 100 plus five plus zero and it's still 105. But if you wanted to hash 100 mm. plus five plus zero, it's not the same as 100 plus five, right? Like it's a, yeah. a hash, it's a completely different thing. Um, so like uh, that's a really dumbed down way of uh, explaining the malleability attack where you could modify it and get a transaction ID like a that's basically a receipt number for your transaction that looks totally different than what's on the blockchain. So I gave if I gave you the modified transaction ID and then broadcast the normal one, you'd be looking on the blockchain. It'd be like your transaction's not there. And then I can mm. send that transaction to myself and you would never know um, or uh, in the case of like Mt. Gox, um, I could modify the signature or uh, excuse me, modify the data after it was already published to the chain and then send you the a new valid receipt. And then you would look with the new number, which is not the one that's on the chain. You wouldn't find it and you'd issue me another refund and I could change it again send it to you again, yeah. another refund. Um, that's, uh, that's how the hacker actually emptied Mt. Gox of like tens of thousands of coins or whatever it was, huh. um, is because they just kept the Mt. Gox little PHP script, just kept issuing refunds because it would check the chain and not see it. And it wasn't doing a full validation. If you're running an absolute full node, you would be able to check this. But if you're just checking by transaction ID, you get tricked. Um, so that's uh, what they, that's what the Mt. Gox situation was, was yeah. they weren't yeah, running a full node. They were, they were, they, they were trying to do shortcuts and, uh, and they got, they got, uh, they got caught they got caught red handed doing exactly that. Um, uh, and, or at least that's the, that's the story. I guess we don't really know full on like 
truth of it. Um, but transaction malleability obviously had a big, big part to play there. Um, and so that wasn't a hack because a lot of people have asked me, they said like, oh, you know, wasn't it hacked before? Sort of. I mean, let's say that was the only thing involved. Technically, that's still a hack. It's bad. Code, yeah. But it's, it's bad protection hack. by the it's bad yeah. custody. It's kind of Mal Gox's fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they kind of uh, screwed that up. Yeah. Um, but uh, and so like Segwit made a different standard in which um, you had to commit to it by having the basically the way they hashed it together was a little bit different so that you couldn't do that anymore. So that um, if you changed uh, the signature, um, it no longer would apply to the same transaction data. So you could no longer, you could no longer do that little tweak. Um, and obviously it got some, you know, different benefits because you can have a soft fork block size increase by moving it to a different location and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, but so there's been like some minor changes over the years. Um, but that's kind of the bulk of how to think about adding, um, like that's where all the complexity of a Bitcoin transaction is. You have like your scripts and your time locks and your multi-sig and all of these things. These things are done in the signatures. Taproot is an entirely different signature scheme. So what we've been using up to this point is referred to as ECDSA. And uh, Schnorr signatures, um, which is what Taproot is uh, running off of, I guess you could say, um, it's part of the Taproot upgrade is a completely different model or a completely different scheme, but it's actually considered more secure than ECDSA. And there's a lot of other benefits too. And the reason is, is because uh, basically everything, uh, all our signature types come with a couple of cryptographic assumptions. Like we have to assume, assume that, you know, um, you know, reversing the hash function is difficult. Like, like, you know, there's like a couple of like basic assumptions that all cryptography has to um, assume in order to build a public private key system. And ECDSA has a handful of assumptions and Schnorr actually has fewer assumptions. There are a couple of things that you can basically prove with Schnorr that don't require assumptions where they do in ECDSA. And, uh, and then also is that Schnorr requires no new assumptions. So it's not like we're using like different assumptions. We're using the same ones, just fewer of them. So Schnorr is basically a more, it's just a, it's just a different way to create signatures that's more reliable and requires us to believe less about the assumptions of being cryptographically secure. Um, and, uh, uh, so we're basically changing that. But because of that, all the new nodes need to know how to read and validate this new type of signature. And that's why that's where we get into the whole soft fork. We need to upgrade all our clients. They need to be able to read the taproot language or, or understand the taproot math. Um, and, uh, and we need the whole chain to be aware um, the whole that's network, the way it's going. as much of the network as possible, be fully aware of these valid rules, uh, of the validity of these rules. And um, uh, and then we can basically modify them and really old nodes just won't care. Um, and, you know, for the bulk of the network, that's that's not really a problem. Just as long as 90 percent of the miners and 
uh, overwhelming majority of the nodes all know, well, we'll reach consensus. You know, mm -hmm. um, even if a handful of nodes don't reject it as invalid, if everybody else does, they're never going to get it anyway. You know, mm -hmm. um, so that's so basically it, the idea behind a majority the of them. A majority of the nodes have to run it to switch over officially. Basically, um, to make sure that uh, it could be a majority of the nodes or a majority of the miners, but the key idea is that we don't want miners producing invalid blocks. Mm -hmm. And if they can't read the transactions, uh, if they can't what's, a, yeah. what's valid and what's not, well, then they might they might make a block with an invalid transaction. Now, in that case, if the vast majority of the nodes are upgraded, well, then they will reject it. So the miner will have just wasted all of their block, uh, like mm -hmm. wasted all of their hash power. However, if uh, a majority of the miners upgrade and you know only a third of the nodes upgrade, well, then that's kind of safe too because they're not going to produce the invalid block and they're also not going to share around one that's invalid with the tiny little extra and so if the miners tiny amount of uh, hash power um, okay so it's kind of important for both um the miners kind of have to be prepared for the nodes to be sending them that math yes yeah um and uh basically though it's more important because we're building the blockchain forward for miners to make sure they're producing valid blocks. Um, mm -hmm. They have the greater cost. They're the ones that would ex explicitly cause a split if they mined an invalid block. Um, and, you know, nodes can share out invalid data, but if they don't mine into a block, nobody's splitting anything, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, uh, but, but at the same time, you know, the network prevents that invalid data from getting to anybody. So as many people as up can, as can upgrade, uh, should period, you know, I've, okay. I've been running a taproot client for a while. Um, uh, and, uh, like, in fact, anything after, I think point one eight or point. God, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. There, there's been like a handful of clients that had taproot in the client, but, um, uh, but like no activation or anything. It's just been like sitting, maybe it's 0.21. I, I can't remember exactly. Um, but uh, it's been sitting in Bitcoin core versions for a little while now. Um, okay. And now the most recent ones just have the activation method. So they have the instructions on how we're just going to turn this thing on. Um, so okay. a, a lot of the chain actually, a lot of the network actually already has taproot code in it. Okay. So it's um, the... Is it going to make things faster or what's the, like, what's the, I mean, it makes it more, more secure, but less data. So yeah, um, uh, kind of both. Um, so there's actually a lot of different efficiency gains that come with Taproot and just Schnorr signatures in general. Um, so when just in encoding, like just in like how to write, like instructions on how to write down a signature, um, is that a signature is technically two 32 byte numbers. Um, but just in the way it's encoded, and this is just kind of from using OpenSSL and the way Satoshi designed it. So that was just kind of the way it was. Um, there's actually a handful of extra bytes that have to be uh, tagged on to the end of it in order to, um, 
uh, basically make proper sense of it. It, it. That's just how the code is read. Um, and uh, Schnorr, since we're actually changing the entire signature scheme anyway, we can actually drop that. Um, and uh, uh, now we can actually isolate just the signatures down to 64 bytes, basically as small as it, it as small mm -hmm. as it can go. Um, and, uh, and in addition, and this is the really big uh, efficiency boost, is that you can have one, Schnorr signatures have this amazing property that you can just add them together and they're still valid of all of the previous signatures. So like, let's say we do a multi-sig. Well, then we need a key and a signature from both of us. You, you need to put, in order for that multi-sig to um, be valid, uh, we put it on the chain and you have your key and your, um, your public key and your signature. I have my public key and my signature, which is like 100-ish bytes a piece. Mm -hmm. With uh, Musig, which is, the, which is the one that's developed with, with Schnorr, and the new signatures, we can actually just combine ours together. We can basically add them up, like we'll just add them, and then we just have one 64-byte signature, and we stick it on, but it's only valid if you sign and I sign, which is true in the reverse. Like, it's true in the first scenario, but it's true in the second one with the exact same amount of data as if it was just one of us. Okay. Um, and this is completely arbitrary to the number of signers. So we can do this with 10 people. We can do this with you have seven hardware wallets and I have five hardware wallets. And so we've got 12 signatures, um, mm -hmm. 12 signatures and 12 keys. Still just one, just one signature. So the more we actually put into this, the greater the savings we have. And not only is it a massive, massive data savings, um, where your transaction might have been 20 times the size of a normal transaction. Now it just looks like a normal transaction. So you might have been paying um, $200 for that transaction to get put in. And now it's just like 10 bucks or something. Mm. Um, you know, whatever, whatever the fees are at whatever time. So it's, it's less huge, complicated huge to get into the blockchain. Yeah. yeah. And, but you also get this great privacy benefit because nobody knows it's a multi-sig. Like it's and what is, I mean, and that's like for people that are doing like on-chain analytics, they can't. Um, yes. If you're looking at the blockchain, nobody will be able to just pick through and be like, like right now you can look at the blockchain. If you know what you're looking at, you can be like, well, that's a multi-sig. That one's probably lightning network. Uh, that one's basically, that one looks like a coin join. This, like you, you can just kind of look at the details of the transaction and, there's a lot of indicators that can tell you what kind of transaction it is. With Taproot and Schnorr signatures, essentially all of it ends up looking like a single key, single signature. So mm. now it's just like, well, this is a transaction, this is a transaction, this is a transaction. And it might have been a mix, a uh, lightning channel, uh, lightning closure, um, uh, 10 of 10 multi-sig, I mean, just whatever. They're all basically mm -hmm. going to look identical. Okay. Um, so that might mess with the, the, the traders that rely on on-chain analytics. Possibly. Yeah. 
which isn't it's a bad gonna, thing. It's going to throw some. Oh no, not at all. Um, it's going to throw a couple things for a loop. Um, it'll it'll really put a stink into chainalytic uh, or chain anal- chain analysis companies. Um, and uh, in addition to is that because it produces so much savings in that the complexity of Bitcoin transactions can scale massively without presenting any cost or some, you know, excessive headache. Um, like right now it's like, oh, multi-sig is better and multi-sig is great and everything, but multi-sig also costs three times a normal transaction, you know, like mm-hmm. two of three. Um, whereas in the taproot scenario, is it costs the same to do a multi-sig as it does to do a regular? So why not do a multi-sig? I got three hardware while it's lying around. I might um, as well. Yeah. And uh, same thing with lightning, uh, you know, lightning channels, lightning channels don't cost more than normal transactions. Hmm. Uh, so you get a lot of benefit in adding complexity. And then you think about it, like then you get to add fail safes into your transactions. You know, why not have it so that if my lawyer and my wife sign after six months that they can get the uh, that they can get the funds if I'm just not around. Like, why not add that backup plan into every single transaction as a way to ensure that I never lose the coins are never lost in the case of like me getting in a car accident or something. Yeah, and it doesn't cost you anything extra to tag that onto every transaction. And like, you can do a bunch of stuff like that. This is where you like get the idea of uh, uh, maybe like these vaults. Uh, the vault concepts and like some excessive time lock or uh, a two factor or adding unchained as a backup plan, you know, adding some service as a backup plan to every multi-sig arrangement. Like suddenly you can start adding all of this complexity and you can add a backup plan and a uh, in case something doesn't happen in three months or you can tie it to an event, you can tie it to your will or your lawyer or some, you know, partial custodian or something and without even having to pay any cost for additional data and settlement suddenly suddenly you have a lot of security that the revocable financial system the authoritative based financial system can actually provide you without ever actually giving up ownership it's a whole bunch of non-custodial extra services that can help you out if something goes wrong or if you lose a key or something like that and you never actually give up control. Um, hmm. And that just becomes more efficient. It becomes, it becomes cheaper to do all of those things. So the incentive not to do it is simply removed. Yeah, that makes sense. Or a lot of the cost um, in doing it is removed. Yeah. And, um, and so I generally know what you mean, like what multi-sig means. But I also, mm-hmm. if somebody asked me to explain it, I have no way to explain it. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to pretend that I'm not the dumb one. And, and for somebody in the audience, it totally doesn't understand any of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know for this is, you know, this is Bitcoin made simple. So I've <laughs> yeah. probably gone way too deep in the jargon. No, um, no, no. Well, I mean, that's the thing is it's like with the multi-sig, like, you know, all the jargon and everything, but like for me to understand it, cause I've been really, I've been looking at hodl hodl mm-hmm. um, and and possibly using that for some things in my life. Um, and, you know, so that's where I first started to see like, okay, we have like a, 
like a multi-sig and, and like, it was kind of making sense to me, like basically putting the coins in escrow and both of us needing to unlock it, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. But, but yeah, but still uh, a multi-sig, is that just what it is? It's just, it requires multiple signatures in order to unlock it. You know, think about it like in the, you know, you've got your, um, your action movie and uh, the two people have to turn their keys at the same time to unlock the computer. Oh yeah. That's multi-sig. Okay. Both of them had to have their separate keys. Um, okay. It's that on Bitcoin. And, and, and it's just like a, cryptogra- a cryptographic key. Yeah. It- yeah. So just like, I mean, you think about it, your key, the key to your house is just a little math problem, right? It's like, like if you look at the little jagged edges, it's just like up, down, up, 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 down, mm-hmm. up, like mid, down, up, like, and, and then combine that together and the likelihood that somebody guesses that that's the, that's what they need to get through your lock um, is insanely low. It's mm-hmm. very, very difficult and it takes a very, very long time. So the key is really just the information. If somebody knows how to make the key, well, they just make their own. Um, and so that's the exact same thing that cryptography does is that it just uses a random up, down, up, down, zero, one, zero, zero, one, zero, one. Um, and it's just crazy long. It's like having a key that's like 30 feet long <laughs> um, to your house. You just walk up to the house with it. Yeah. Just... <laughs> um, It'd be like something out of like a Monty Python movie or something yeah. like that. My house is super secure. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, so it's basically the math version of that. It's just like a crazy long variation so that even if you have a computer that can guess keys really quick <laughs> um uh, they're still just never going to do it because they'd have to guess for and, until the universe died of a heat death um mm. uh so uh, uh so they'd never and, be able to crack it they'd never be able to crack it exactly and multi-sig is just basically mixing those two together and since i only have my key and then you have your key if we lock it. Um, if the lock that we put on those coins is a mixture of both of them, well, then me getting it unlocked without you is as ridiculous as me just trying to guess your key. Uh, um, it's me trying to get into your house without your key, except for the fact that there is no door, there's no lock. I can't do anything. I'm just all I can do is just guess, right? It's mm-hmm. just a math problem. I can't like break a physical window and. <laughs> yeah yeah you can't just bitcoin <laughs> there's no shotgun that's gonna blow that door open yeah um so uh yeah that's 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 multi-sig it's okay really really big long keys and we mix them together and we can lock bitcoin behind the answer to those and Dude. therefore the only way to get it back is to divide out our keys which nobody can do without actually knowing what they are okay and then, um, okay, that makes sense. And so Taproot is basically making it so that you can't tell every, like, like you said, every transaction on the blockchain is going to look the same. Mm-hmm. And, and Yeah, so in the context of uh, the multi-sig, so right now what actually happens is that the Bitcoin is locked with two locks. So we put one lock on it, which is your key and one lock on it, which is my key. So when I unlock it, it still needs the other lock. There's still a second one there. And, um, and because of that, we have to have both keys. 
With Taproot, what we do is we actually mix our locks together to produce a new lock that needs both of our keys. So mm. on chain, rather than seeing two different locks, we still only see the one lock. And it could be two locks that created that one. We could have mixed 20 locks together to make the one lock. It still needs all 20 of the keys, but it no longer needs 20 locks. It just needs one. It's just one lock. Yeah. So it could be one big padlock with 20 different keyholes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to put, turn all of them at the exact, or that would be a little complex. Turn all of them within the same 10 minutes. There's got to be some kind of analogy with like that bridge in, in Paris where people lock their keys away and then like lock their love away and then throw That's it in the water. That's just the blockchain. That's the whole blockchain. It's just That's that a, bridge. just millions of locks <laughs> all the way on it. And then Taproot's coming along. Actually, maybe this is a little because That's a they funny put all. Meme. It's like we should have that bridge. Just have a picture of of the, all the locks on the uh, on the bridge. It says this is the blockchain. Wait, it kind of makes if you think about it though, because you know they have to like cut the locks away like every I don't know six months or something like that, um, because it's too heavy for the bridge, mm-hmm. and it'll make the bridge collapse. Um, so not that Bitcoin would collapse, but multi or uh it sounds like taproot is basically like a way to take it so that it's just like one row of keys across the or one one row of locks and yeah. and it's producing the same amount of love locked away but <laughs> it doesn't have all the weight locking away the same amount of love with only <laughs> the weight of one lock exactly <laughs> that uh that i can't believe that i somehow made an analogy like that <laughs> out of out of taproot and uh and multi-sig but some of the the like I, speaking of those locks because the one bridge in pittsburgh they people started doing that like as if okay. it was a thing yeah they started doing it like 10 years ago like oh and like you know people going on social media like oh, we're, look, also like, we're like france <laughs> yeah and it was just like no we're not france um <laughs> and like the the like mean side of me, you know, like the devil on your shoulder, like, cause sometimes I have to, you walk across a bridge to go to like a pirates game or something is mm-hmm. to just take like bolt cutters and just like cut them off and like laugh on the inside thinking that like these people think like, Oh, we did that. And it's still your there forever. Broken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, mm-hmm. If I just want to be like a dick for no reason. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, all right. So that explains taproot. Um, and so Tabard then doesn't have anything to do with lightning. Like it's not a part of the lightning. Not, ex- not per se, um, but it is a huge benefit to lightning, um, particularly with opening and closing channels. Um, and, uh, and because of the cost savings in opening a lightning channel versus just sending a normal transaction. Um, you know, every time you're sending any transaction, it's almost like, why not open a lightning channel at the same time? You know, it just... It, mm-hmm. again the cost savings just really changes how you might think about um the situation or how a wallet might treat it um but uh another actual great thing that comes with Schnorr is that uh it's the computation so ecdsa uh the current signature setup that we use you have to validate every signature one at a time with the details of the transaction. 
And so when you're doing the initial block download, like the, the initial blockchain download for Bitcoin, uh, after, and you'll notice it too, like after like transactions start to fill up um, in the blocks, after like block 300,000, they really like start to actually get full. Um, it just slows down to a crawl. And it's not the data per se. It's the fact that you have to compute all of the information and make sure that the data is valid. So your mm. processor's running like crazy to make sure all the math checks out. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, Schnorr actually, so if you have in signature, like if you have a hundred signatures, it takes you as hundred times, a hundred times as long to validate those hundred signatures as it does to validate one. Mm -hmm. Schnorr signatures allows you to batch validate. You can basically run the, the validation of the signatures by just cramming them all together. Like you could just batch validate the whole thing. So the more signatures you actually have, it's no longer linear. After you have like a hundred, um, I think, I think it's in divided by log in. I think it's like, like one, God, how, how would the math work out on that? I wanna say it's something like, whereas a hundred signatures would take hundred times as long on ACDSA, it would only take 10 times as long. So, so it's like, it's like the log of the number of signatures added. So the more signatures in the block, the less time it takes to validate each new signature because you can batch validate them. Mm. Um, and so after like a thousand signatures, your, your uh, time and computation savings is like huge. So after a few years that we actually adopt and start using Schnorr signatures, um, basically you'll reach this whole span where the blockchain download uh, gets really, really slow because you're doing lots of computation. And then after we hit taproot, it'll start to speed back up again. Um, mm. So after like, you know, block 672,000 or whatever, um, the more and more taproot that gets used or the more that Schnorr that gets used on the chain, the quicker all that validation will happen and you'll start like just cleaning through blocks, just like block, 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 valid, valid, valid. Um, mm. and, so does uh, that mean that the difficulty adjustment's going to, uh, no, that's got nothing to do with the mining. It's okay, nothing that's nothing to do. To do. With no, just no, the, on the node. Proof of work is still exactly the same. This is just for when your node is proving that the blockchain data is accurate. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So this is just when you're syncing a full node. Okay. Yeah, that'll um, get easier and less intensive on your computer with time. Which, you know, from what I've heard, it's it doesn't take a ton of energy to run a node. But it's I mean, as, bad. It's not bad. as time goes, it's mm -hmm. going to get more crazy. But with signatures getting complicated and adding lots of different branches and like a bunch of different scripts and stuff is that it can really bog things down. Uh, that was actually um, the reason for like one of the things that Satoshi did early on was and potentially why the block size got limited to one megabyte to begin with um, was actually because um, uh you could construct a transaction that was so complex and had such such a big signature hog like computation hog that a they could be like basically crash nodes or they could create a transaction that took longer than 10 minutes to compute so you could never even validate the block before you got another block come in Hmm. So an attacker could really just like slow everything to a crawl because you could take advantage 
or exploit the fact that computation can be really, really complex with really big and bulky signatures. And Taproot basically, I mean, that already isn't a problem for Bitcoin. There's been a lot of things to make sure that that is not an attack vector um, mm -hmm. already. But uh, Taproot basically simplifies that even further so that no matter how complex you want to make it, a valid signature is just just a valid signature. And every single time you compute it, no matter what's behind it, it takes the exact same amount of time. Okay. Well, that's... um. So, and then, so to run a node, um, you know, I don't make it easier for people to run a node in the future mm -hmm. um, as Taproot takes over. So Taproot is, it's starting to get implemented right now? Or right now we are trying to activate it. Right okay. now we are in, if you go to Taproot, I'm not sure if you've checked out the, let me look at it. I haven't watched it today. Taproot.watch. Um, you can see uh, right now we've got pretty good signaling in the last uh, mining pools. It looks like we're about 50%, a little over 50% signaling um, for uh, for the upgrade right now. For Okay, so 50% of the nodes, that means 50% of the nodes are running it? Not the miner, uh, not the nodes, the blocks. The blocks uh, that are coming in are signaling miners are signaling that they are ready for taproot and that they are running taproot. And uh, right now the current activation method is set by miners signaling at 90%. Okay. So uh, after if for one difficulty adjustment period for one 2016 block period, if we get 90% of the blocks um, basically uh, signaling for uh, taproot, um, then it will lock in and it will activate like right at the beginning of November or some, somewhere right around November. It'll, it'll so be live the, and people can use it. Okay. So it has to be running at 90% um, up until November or just hit by no, November. No, it'll be locked in. If people turn it off after hitting 90% or it drops back down to 88%, doesn't matter. It's locked in. It's going to activate okay. in November. Um, and basically, that's just a window that says, if you aren't ready for Taproot yet, you better get ready. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And is this something that Satoshi built in, like, you know, not that he built in Taproot, just that the ability for changes and upgrades to be made, like, is this kind of that process, you know, playing yeah, out? So, so Satoshi kind of single-handedly implemented a couple of soft forks back in the day. Um, and, uh, uh, a soft fork is basically, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, but just in case the audience, uh, it's, is a backwards compatible upgrade. It's a way to upgrade where only the new clients and the new users who want to use it need to really be concerned and old, my, uh, like old wallets and old nodes will still be able to see all of the new information as valid even if they can't see all of the instructions. Um, mm. So they won't be kicked off of the network. They are not forced to upgrade to some new client or some new software because that's a huge, that's a huge vulnerability in attack vector. Is oh yeah. Just force everybody to install the same client when, you know, whenever you want to, you could change anything in the network, all the rules, the, the consensus rules are the security. They are the Lindy effect of Bitcoin. So if you break those consensus rules to make a change to it, 
well, then now we go back to having no clue if Bitcoin even works. Yeah. Like now it's under a completely new set of instructions and a completely new set of rules. Now, if we change the code or we make a shift inside of those rules, well, we know the old rules are perfectly fine and secure. Maybe there is a problem with the new ones, but that's a problem for the new nodes. That's a problem for the updated ones. Mm. No, the the old ones are going to care. So it's backwards compatible. Like, like it's like PlayStation three plays PlayStation two games. (laughs) Yeah. And that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like the, basically the way that that would be a problem. This isn't the case, but like if, if for some reason when PS3 came out, your PS2 games no longer worked on your PS2. Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah. Basically. And the, yeah. And that's um, not the case. It's, you can still run the PS2 games and, and it doesn't affect it and it, everything works in harmony. Yep. And you can still play the PlayStation 2 games on the PlayStation 3. And if PlayStation 3 has a problem, only the people who bought the PlayStation 3 have to worry about it. Everybody who plays on PlayStation 2, everything works as normal. Um, their games work, they get all the fun and whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that makes sense. Um, it's like it's so much to wrap your head around in this Bitcoin world. Um, oh, yeah. It almost doesn't give you enough time for all the drama. It goes that, deeper. <laughs> oh, man, it's just like you keep peeling back like layers of the onion. You're like, whoa. <laughs> whoa like this thing gets stinkier and stinkier the further i get in um in a good way um okay so it is getting when when did it launch like a week or two ago uh yeah it's like a week and a half we're not through the first uh since the activation uh client dropped we're not through the first um signaling period yet so it's not been 2016 blocks okay and who who drops the activation like who puts that in um you, like who puts it into the client yeah like who's who's the one that like updates since you know there is no central authority or anything like that well that is the point of massive contention and lots of arguing over the last year and uh, some change uh, some more um, drama here we go so yeah um basically with the user activated soft fork and everything that happened with segwit is um, particularly Bitcoin core developers kind of have like a PTSD uh, and they don't, they're worried that everything's going to become contentious. So everybody has very, very strong opinions on how to activate Taproot. Um, and the user activated soft fork was like, like, so with SegWit is miners were trying to block the upgrade. Um, they were basically trying to block the backwards compatible um, improvement mm. to Bitcoin in order to force everyone to do an incompatible uh, upgrade. So uh, think of it like um, we'll give you your PlayStation 3 as, as, as long as you make it so that you have to throw your PlayStation 2 away in order to get it. Oh. And everybody was like, no, we're just going to upgrade to PlayStation 3 and P- PlayStation 2 can still play. Like, mm-hmm. No, that's ridiculous. You know, Why would you make the them throw it away? <laughs> and the whole argument was about, um, like with the hard fork, uh, or excuse me, with the small blockers, uh, was that the hard fork was so dangerous. It was dangerous. It was stupid. It was bad for anybody who was running an old node. Um, it was dismissive of anybody who wasn't like 
like keeping up with all the shit on social media. There's tons of Bitcoiners who yeah. have no they needed to upgrade or they're going to get kicked off the network. Um, and it's a huge force for centralization. And miners were just hell bent. A handful of miners like Jihan Wu and the uh, guys over at Bitmain and stuff um, were hell bent on forcing a incompatible break in the chain. Um, and uh, so the user activated soft fork was basically a users run this like we don't actually need the miners because if we change the network, well, then we won't accept their invalid blocks. Um, so why don't we just do it? Why don't we just turn it on on August uh, 7th, I think it was, or 8th, maybe? Um, somewhere at the beginning of uh, August. We're just Last year? Uh, 2017 this is oh, okay this is the hard fork yeah yeah this is this is the soft fork for uh segwit and because this became so politicized because this was a three-year like all-out brawl and like there were like four or five meetings and conferences over settling the differences there were underhanded like mess from both sides um constant attacking all the miners saying we're going to fire the Bitcoin core developers um, that we're going to force them on our chain. They openly talked about how if Bitcoin ended up being the minority chain is that they uh, had a hundred million dollars set aside so that they could attack the minority chain and they could kill Bitcoin and everybody would be forced to upgrade to their client. I mean, it got nasty. It got unbelievably nasty because it was and this so is like Roger Bear and Yes, yeah, Roger Veer and Coinbase and Craig Wright and like all of that. So Brian Armstrong from Coinbase. This was that whole debacle. Um, and because of that, because it was so like it was the idea was that miners aren't in control of this thing. It's supposed to be a security measure. It's supposed mm -hmm. to be the miners signaling that we're ready for the SegWit upgrade. Um, and so now it's safe to start using it. And miners took this as we get to decide whether or not this goes live on the network. It's like, no, the users decide what gets put on the network. This is, you don't run the show because you have 20% of the hash rate. Um, and so the user activated soft fork was, we're all going to install this client. And if you don't accept uh, our transactions, we're going to kick you off our network. And I don't give a shit if you're 80% of the hash power. We'll go with 20%. We'll go with slow blocks for a while. Screw it. I don't care. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and they basically called their bluff. Um, and <laughs> sure enough, uh, everybody upgraded. Um, and so there was never any fork. Um, and SegWit got activated. But because of that, because of that whole shitstorm that happened, um, and because the debating and the argument was so vicious... Now everybody's like scared about leaving this up to minor signaling, you know, like crap. Are we going to go through all this stuff again? And then there's uh, other developers and like a good portion of the community. And I being somebody who ran the UASF, the software client um, mm -hmm. uh, and was, you know, eager to give the middle finger to the miners. Um, I completely sympathize with them is mm -hmm. that we should just do that again. 
the users should just run a user activated software client and we should not wait for the miners. They will upgrade um, because, because otherwise they won't be able to sell their blocks to us. We won't be paying them in Bitcoin. They will be paid in their own little shitcoin um, that they fork off to. Um, and uh, so that's been the contention. Do we put in a flag day that says this just activates? Do we do minor signaling? Do we do minor signaling over a two-year span? Do we do it over three months? Um, does it activate immediately after? Does it, does it wait a little while to activate? That's the funny thing is that there's amazing consensus around the consensus rules. Like there is a shelling point for what Bitcoin is. But as soon as you start tweaking those rules at all, everything's becomes, everything's becomes, everything becomes subjective. So there's no shelling point anymore. And so mm -hmm. everybody starts to share their opinions and lo and behold, Bitcoiners are opinionated. And <laughs> uh, so there's no way to really reach consensus on like one thing. So we actually have two different methods active right now on the network. Uh, Luke Dasher and um, crap, I can't remember. Um, a couple other people um, and another like Francis uh, Puyot, um is like big supporting of this i think i think alex fetsky is too and like i'm just kind of like okay yeah I, i'm i'm up for either i don't really care um but they have created a user activated software client that up until november when the current bitcoin core client uh, uh is set to activate uh, up until then everything's aligned um everything will operate the same um and if the Bitcoin core version, which is a, uh, it's referred to as a speedy trial, um, uh, whatever with the name. Um, but it basically gives us three months to try to hit the minor activation threshold. And if that doesn't happen, then we basically get to a re readjust things and come up with a new method. Um, whereas before we were talking about waiting two years for this thing to activate. And mm -hmm. that was kind of a, lowest common denominator of let's just see if we can do it really quick because we think we have consensus you know there's mm -hmm. huge support for taproot right now and it's basically nothing but benefits um so actually it is nothing but benefits yeah um, so uh um let's see if we can do it really quickly and if we can then everything will go smoothly and we won't have to prolong this for no reason mm. um whereas the user activated software client says we're going to align everything basically with that but if it fails well then one year after the november deadline it's just going to turn on no matter what good mm -hmm. luck like uh you better you better make it um and in fact actually uh the speedy trial only goes until august so the current activation sp spread only goes through august but if the user activated software client hits 90% after August. So this one will basically cancel out in August. If the UASF client, um, God, this gets so complicated. I'm just thinking of like, what, what is somebody hearing? Like, yeah. listening? I know it sounds like insanity. Um, but basically, uh, even after the, the current window, um, everybody who's running this alternative client, if it uh, hits the threshold um, after August, they will actually still uh, activate in November. So it will activate really soon. Um, whereas right now in Bitcoin Core, if they don't hit it by August, everything's back up in the air again. We don't have a method. 
um, mm. and they have to release a new client with a new method and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so really, I think what's happening right now is we have two clients that are trying to match compatibility. Um, the user activated soft fork is kind of the backup plan. That's what it is for me, at least. Is, so it'll, it'll take over if the other ones fail. Yeah. And I don't think quite either one of them see it that way. Well, maybe, maybe the UASF like client, like developers and stuff do um, think of it that way. Um, but I know Bitcoin Core does not want it to be that way because they're incredibly conservative and they're nervous about causing a stink and causing a chain split for no reason, um, especially over something that has widespread consensus. It seems yeah, like. every, something everybody agrees on. Yeah, we... and that's the big thing. That's the big thing about this. Like literally, like they've been like insulting each other and at each other's <laughs> throats about how to turn the switch on here. Not whether or not we should turn it on at all, but how to turn it on. When do we wait till everybody gets Completely the turn the light on? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. turn it on and everybody walks in. Like, like literally, it's like that. That's the degree or of play nuance. speaking of PlayStation, should we do the old like I played video games too late and I have to do the trail of lights <laughs> to get up to my bedroom because I'm too yeah terrified for the it's like go up turn one on and go back turn the other one off you know like <laughs> what's, how's this gonna work um but, uh, that, that's, so that's, uh, that's where we are right now but bitcoin core like the main reference client and the main developer group has released a client with an activation method and that's the one that i am currently running and it's the it's the safest it's the most conservative route um i just encourage everybody to download and run it and you know make sure and you know bug your bug the miners you know we're not asking their permission to do this we're telling yeah. them we should be upgrading to taproot and if they don't the then they're gonna be left in the ecosystem wants it and we want the privacy we want the efficiency benefits we want a lot of those benefits um and if they don't they're gonna be left um and, and they'll be um, wasting be really a lot nice of hash power do it easily yeah, it, it would be really, really nice if we could just do this safely. <laughs> um, so how do I, you know, spin up a node, basically? Because um, I don't have one. I have, um, uh, this is the worst, and I'll admit this for the first time. I use Coinbase just because that's what I, uh, and I want. Trader. I know. Well, here's. Trader. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't even bring it up to Dan Held when I had him on. Um, but like, I think I'm trying to switch over to Kraken, um, mm -hmm. for buying, but their user interface is definitely a lot rougher than, at least in my opinion, it's, it's not as user-friendly like Coinbase mm -hmm. is very like point shoot, you know, there we go. Um, and the way that I'm like, I'm not telling myself, I'm telling myself not to feel guilty about it is that I'm going to move, like I'm moving everything to private wallets. So it's like, okay, it doesn't matter. Like I'm not keeping it there. You know, I'm not, I'm not supporting. Um, so I definitely am going to switch over. Um, but like that's, I don't have any mining equipment. I don't have a node. Like I want to do all of that. Mm -hmm. So how do I, what, what's the first step? Do you want to get a node first? Honestly, I would. I mean, you can always just download. Um, I mean, by the way, was that risky for me to just like admit where I keep my Bitcoin? Yeah, not really. Um, I mean, sure. somebody would probably tell you it was, but I just, I, I'm not nearly as a stickler about that sort of stuff. Um, you know, even with Coinbase, like 
like I don't agree with their opinions and I think they're dangerous in regards to considering them any sort of a, a authority when it comes yeah. to their opinion about the Bitcoin blockchain. They almost single-handedly caused the largest technical embarrassment to the Bitcoin network that ever would have been. Like they yeah. would have halted, they would have been responsible with a, you know, a lot of other, a handful of other companies and miners for implementing something that would have broken the entire system and required an immediate emergency upgrade or rollback basically of the code. Um, so I think Coinbase is trash from that perspective. I do not like Brian Armstrong. I think if he opens his mouth about anything regarding Bitcoin upgrades, that he, he should be told to shut the fuck up. Like mm -hmm. um, he has no business. Um, uh, but that said, Coinbase is a fine company. Like they, mm -hmm. they hold people's coins. They hold tons of crap coins for people. Like, like I'm not going to get mad at somebody about using Coinbase. Like I'll tell them, you know, take it with a grain of salt and it's an exchange. Yeah. They might get hacked. You never know. And you might not get your Bitcoin, but they've been around for a long time. You know, mm -hmm. they've, they've clearly done the job up until now and they've stuck around. People use their service. People use their service. You know, whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm like, so it, it kills me to have been using it because I'm, the more I've learned about everything, I'm like, well, like, I, I can't, I can't support this company. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I just can't. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that's what I was really they pumped. They definitely have. have their stain. Yeah. And I, I was, I, I was. I was really excited to have Dan on because um, I was like, I just wanted to interview Dan about like his, we talked about the, uh, you know, super cycle and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like in the future, I got to talk to him about like, just, I want to, I want to probably dig into Kraken more and that's probably where I'll go. Um, but so, all right. So a node is completely different from a wallet then, right? Like you're, you're just keeping the entire ledger of the blockchain. It is like like the Bitcoin Core client has a wallet in it, but it is just a full node wallet. So it also has an entire copy of the blockchain, all the transactions, the Genesis block, everything from start to finish in order to know and secure what you have in your wallet. Mm. Um, so right now, like everybody's like on mobile and stuff, they're using light wallets. What they do is they basically reference important point or important data from the blockchain that other people, like people who are running full nodes, like literally when you open up your wallet on your phone, you may actually be pinging my node for blockchain information. So whether uh, you have stuff in your address, um, whether or not somebody sent a transaction, et cetera, et cetera. Probably not because there's lots of nodes, but it could be. Um, um, and uh, I have two nodes personally right now. Uh, sometimes I have three, depends on what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but uh, if you just download the core reference client, like you just go to Bitcoin.org and download it, it'll boot you up a full node. It'll take up like 280 gigs or 270 gigs or something on your computer. Um, but it'll download and validate the whole thing. It'll take you like a day or two to catch up um, to the network. Uh, and you will have a full node, and the so you can just actually run it on your computer. It's not like a yeah. you just have. I mean, I have one. One of the ones that I have is on my computer, is is on my uh, Linux machine, and then I have a uh, I have another one that's an Umbral Raspberry Pi node, 
So you can run it on a really small dedicated computer, but you can also just run it on your computer if yeah. you're fine with doing that along with all the other stuff that you do. It's not huge. Comp- it's not like really computationally intensive. After after you've already synced the node, um, keeping it running, it's not really a huge like resource hog. Like I can still edit and stuff on my computer if I'm doing that. Um, While you have the node running, I separate those uh, now. Um, but for a long time, I just had I just had it running all the time and did normal stuff. So I, I always envisioned like a node was basically like an external hard drive that you or not like an external, but like, you know, those like, like my clouds that you can have, like, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, four terabytes running all the time and access from wherever, yeah. like, that's what I pictured it as. Like, it was like something I had to go to the store and buy and then like plug in. A like lot that's of people how it, do it that way. Like I have now a node that's run like my umbral. Um, like, in fact, that's probably you'll probably get the most use out of it. Like the Bitcoin core client is extremely like bare minimum. Like again, from the context of like the core developers is they are extremely conservative. They don't add in features to make it a really fun or easy to use wallet because this is the reference client. The more things they add to it, the more likely something will screw up or display something weird or like mm. they want this to be as bare bones as possible so that it's reliable. It is gotcha. the core, it is the infrastructure, it is the software that all of this crap runs on top of. It needs to never break ever. So they yeah. don't put a whole lot into it. Um, in fact, they don't even, a lot of times when they implement new uh, features or signature types or, or uh, um, not really signature types, but like address types and like encoding things, sometimes they don't even make it really easily available to even use in the client because it's just adding more things to a wallet that typically you really shouldn't be using that as your wallet. It's, mm-hmm. it's back-end infrastructure, right? Um, you want to reference it for the software that you're using. Um, uh, it needs to be the Unix of your, uh, of your setup. Um, it's the kernel. It's the, it's the core mm-hmm. of the computer that never breaks and it does everything as a, uh, um, without a whole lot of user interface because user, inter- user interface is just another opportunity for things to break. Yep. Um, uh, so uh, with Umbral though, um, and then there's also my node. I don't want to like yeah. uh, crap on the other implementations because there's a lot of really great ones now. Mm-hmm. My node, BTC, um, uh, Raspy Blitz, and Nodal. Um, what's the, I think and that's the raspberry Pi. You said the rest is it- almost all of them is, are with the raspberry Pi or their best run and they're designed for, uh, and it's the raspberry Pi is just like a, just a tiny little computer that you just tiny plug little- into the wall and yeah. Yeah. Um, you can get them there for like 40 bucks for the raspberry Pi B. Um, I got the B plus, which is like $55 or something like that. Um, and Does it have a uh, screen on it or. No, you plug it into a screen a or something. Okay. Uh, but the funny thing is, is like with the Umbral, uh, you actually, uh, you don't have to plug a screen into it. You actually just log into it um, like like in a website. Um, so, uh, uh, but I wonder, can I share my screen? Actually, I'd be able to. I probably shouldn't show this. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll at least show you. All right, so here's uh, 
I'm going to share screen. I'm not going to show you all my balance, though. I'm going to go to. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. Oh, let's see. <laughs> You're just going to show everyone your uh, your your address and password. It says, and... it says uh, you've disabled screen sharing at the moment. Um, here, let me see if that does. Uh, wait, share. Oh, wait, there we go. I changed it. Get rid of all these damn tabs. You should be able to share now. Okay. That's gripping podcast. Uh, gri- gripping podcast segment there. <laughs> Clicking around. Right, and- so this is like, I just go to umbral.local because it's on my local network. Okay. And then I have a, uh, uh, I literally just log into it. Like, like it's a, it's a website or whatever. Um, I'm not going to show it though, just for the yeah. sake of, just for the sake of uh, balances and stuff. Of course, I guess it doesn't really matter. I'm not like super heartbroken about it. Um, but one of the cool things is that actually, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to share it. That's too, it's too difficult not to, to navigate around it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is my wallet. Like you can see Bitcoin Core and then I have a Lightning wallet and I've just got everything basically in Lightning because uh, okay. that's, that's what I use it for. Um, but this is really, really handy and it's super simple um, and you get a lot of benefits is that you can just install apps on this for using like like Ellen Bits is like what my... um website vote thing it's a little like vote for the like oh, yeah. stats and vote for the thing uh, website and i have my own little mempool like i have my own little block explorer this is just running off of my node huh. um so i can look up addresses and transaction details um i can broadcast transaction information if you know it got knocked out of the mempool or something i can see what the potential fees are and how long it'll take um and just look at block data and stuff like that, but it's all my node. So I'm not like requesting this from some other website or something like that. It's just mine. It's just running from your node. And it's, so it's an umbral node. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, well, umbral is just the interface. Okay. So, so like your raspberry Pi, Bitcoin core in the background. Oh, okay. This, um, this is running is just, Bitcoin corn. Okay. This is just like your OS, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, so Mac and Windows and Linux are all just different OSs for the same computers. <laughs> you know, you can install yeah, yeah. on multiple different computers. It's just a different way to interact with them. This is Umbral is a client for, um, or just a user interface for, uh, for, the, uh, for that. the Bitcoin Core node. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also lets you uh, install BTC Pay Server, um, which is what I use for my website. Super, super handy. A Samurai server, which I have not yet done, um, but I'm super stoked about that. They've got like the dojo and stuff to get you uh, added privacy and stuff. Sphinx for the chat app. Um, and I'm sure there will be a bunch of other things. Spectre Wallet, um, which is a really fun multi-sig. Um, but uh, there'll be a bunch of other stuff to come and they make it like really easy to uh, implement or upgrade. Um, okay. But that's as user-friendly a node as I've ever seen. Okay. 
my node and raspy blitz and stuff like they have very similar ideas um i personally my favorite is umbral umbral um, okay so yeah and that um not to get and i'll make sure by the way for the video i'll i'll uh uh blur out your like any kind of like numbers and stuff like that so, okay i know, appreciate that yeah <laughs> don't worry about that um uh the um okay so the i want to take i don't want to go accidentally go two hours again um because it still blew my <laughs> mind how long that last one went so i'm trying to be mindful and not take up too much of your time <laughs> and uh so the lightning network then is involved like you can attach that your lightning wallet to your node um it's just running lnd as well as bitcoin core so it's running lightning and it is running off it is running on top of your bitcoin your bitcoin base um so rather than lnd running as like a light wallet that's pinging the network is it's running a full node in the background and lightning just talks to that as its reference data um to know okay. what bitcoin is what the state of bitcoin is and um uh you, you know what the because like, because basically a bitcoin full node is needed in order to secure your lightning channels fully um because you need to know what's happening on the bitcoin blockchain um, mm -hmm. if somebody does a contesting transaction to your channel and broadcast it well you need to be able to see that because you need to produce the valid one okay um in basically challenge to them because all the updates happen offline um and uh so like in the context of like a full node uh running lightning on top of umbral is just uh or, or on top of your uh, full node there um just makes it so that you're super secure and that you have the full state of what's going on in Bitcoin and that you'll never be tricked. Nobody will mm -hmm. ever be able to post a challenge transaction without you knowing about it and without your ability to basically prove that you have the valid version. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Just an extra um, security measure, basically. And then, so I've had this explained to me before, but so the Lightning Network, how would you explain that to like, a five-year-old maybe a 10-year-old uh, but like because i get like so basically and tell me i'll i'll talk about my understanding and then you shoot holes through it um and okay <laughs> tell me where i'm wrong um right. so it so let's say if if you and i each had a bitcoin and um we both put them up onto the lightning network so like the, on off off the blockchain you know, everyone can see the transaction that one Bitcoin left your wallet, one left mine. Mm -hmm. and then we can then on the lightnings side, just send them back and forth, like mm -hmm. as much as we want, we can send sats back and forth. Um, and then we settle that later, basically, like when we close the channel, we're like, Hey, okay. Like we're done sending them back and forth. Let's put them back on chain and you know at that point you might have 1.2 and i might have 0.8 or something like that yeah yeah um there's a little bit and this is like an analogy or like a explanation that a lot of people give and that's kind of like how the terminology is um but it, it's funny like the the idea of settling them back on the chain is actually a little bit incorrect it's kind of like a, a 
weird terminology inaccuracy because it's already valid and on chain. Um, mm, like you don't yeah. really need to settle anything. What you're doing is you're leaving it in a situation where um, both of you have to agree on the correct state, on the correct thing. So like what, what I'm what I'm doing is, it, like you said, it's a multi-sig. Um, and essentially we're writing a Bitcoin transaction that uh, says, uh, if any, if we don't agree on this, um, and let's say a week goes by or something, and only one of us is exiting from this, um, then it takes a week of us waiting for us to to leave this arrangement. So mm. I put some coins in it, and if you aren't there with me, if we aren't turning our locks, I mean turning our keys at the exact same time. Well, then I, if I'm the only one turning a key, then I have to wait a week. Now, mm. you can come in and prove that, um, God, this is this is not an explain it like I'm five. Um, <laughs> uh, you can come in and prove otherwise that like maybe I lied about like how much I owned, but you have a week to do that. But what it allows us to do is is lift an amount of Bitcoin into this agreement that we can keep updating. Mm-hmm. That we can constantly change the amount that each one of us owes, um, owes the other. And we know that the other person isn't going to cheat it because they have to wait a week if we're not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But if we're both there, well, then we just go about it like we agree. So we can get our coins out of it if we want. But it's already on chain. It's already got lots of confirmations and it's already secure under my ownership because I have the valid signatures that say whatever is in there that's mine is mine. You already signed it. Um, so that's the only way we can update this thing. But it allows us to create network connections. Rather than just an address where somebody owns something, we have a, a connection to someone else that has an explicit amount of bandwidth, an explicit amount of reserves that mm-hmm. we can constantly move back and forth. Now you will have a connection to somebody else and they will have a connection to another person and they will have a connection to another person. And through all of those connections, I can push some Bitcoin to you. You can push some Bitcoin to them in that other connection. They can to the next person. And we can bounce through all of these connections to reach a destination and make these payments that no one can actually unlock unless it goes all the way through, but we never actually have to go to the chain. We never actually have to broadcast a new transaction because we have this, these transactions that we can keep updating for as long as we want to do it. Um, I've had channels open now for like a year and some change. Uh, the only ones that I've closed uh, were closed because of uh, a bug in L&D that would accidentally close them for some weird reason or whatever. So like, like um, I can't remember what it was. Um, I read about it. Um, it's not like like I lost funds or anything. Like it just like it was back in my Bitcoin wallet mm. address. Um, it would like close automatically because LND is designed to automatically close channels if there's like a contest. You know, mm-hmm. if like somebody like does a complete competing transaction or somebody uh, asks for a uh, closure. Mm-hmm. Like so, if you ask me to close the wallet, I'm just going to sign it with you and close it out. Um, so there were like some weird circumstances where like they would accidentally close automatically, um, which is just means I paid an on-chain fee to get my Bitcoin back. Um, okay. 
But um, uh, so those are basically the only ones I've ever closed. Uh, outside of that, I just leave them up. Like I don't. So I you have a connection you just, into the Lightning Network. It's like, why do I cut off my internet connection? Right. Yeah. Like I could just leave it on all the time. I mean, yeah, I could quote unquote settle my data and cut off my internet, and then I've got it on my hard drive. Uh, you know, whenever I need it. But do I need to? What's the point? Yeah. You like, don't need it. So what's? I just want why, to connect, I just want to stay connected to the internet, right? Yeah. Um, so it's a way to use Bitcoin transactions to build connections into a network of addresses on top of it, rather than having to always just broadcast a new transaction to make a payment. Um, okay. And uh, uh, one thing that a great analogy that I use um, because it's exactly how the internet developed and I love it. It's fascinating. Um, is uh, the difference between a broadcast and a unicast network. Um, so originally like Ethernet, like TCP, like the mm -hmm. original internet protocol um, was uh, what's referred to as a broadcast network, which means that if I wanted to send out, like, if there's 20 people on the network, what I would do is I would just flood my message out to all 20 people and it would have a header that says, this is for person 19. Um, and so everybody would read the information or read the header and 19 of them would say, oh, this is not for me. And they would drop it. But then the 19th person, the, that, that one person that it was meant for was like, oh, this is my message. And they would take it. Mm. That was broadcast. It was never going to scale. It was never, yeah. ever, That's ever. Way too gonna lose. Like, like, can you imagine if you had to get every single text message in the world on your phone <laughs> and then your phone had to say, no, not for me, 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 not for me. Oh, this one's <laughs> for me. Like, like that's, that was the process by which the network. You'd be getting was. everybody's emails yeah, eternally. <laughs> um, so that was never going to work, but it was the base layer. It was, it was how this thing was built. So then it created, uh, went to IP the internet protocol, the, the IP addresses. Um, and in doing so, it set up, it would create routes on a base infrastructure. And rather than flooding to every single router and server and computer on the network, it would ping and find routes through the network. And it would just send it to your local node that sent to your state node, that went to your regional node, that went to the regional node on the other side of the country, that went to their local node, and then went to the server in Google in California. Mm. Like it would only take exactly the route needed to get there. That is called unicast. It would get to its destination as quickly as possible without bothering anybody that wasn't relevant to, the, to getting to the destination. That makes and sense. Um, and in the same way, you're also limited by the bandwidth of the lowest common denominator in the chain, like in that in those hops. You know, if you have a gigabyte to your local, a gigabyte to your state, a, a gigabyte to your uh, regional, a gigabyte to the other one, um, all the way to the end. But then the last end of the run has a dial up connection. You only get a max out of dial up connection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, that's just kind of how the Internet works. Bitcoin is a broadcast network. In order to make a transaction, you have to broadcast it to the whole freaking world. And everybody has to stick it in their consensus chain and their blockchain. They have to validate it. And every single computer that's running a node has to store it forever. It is a broadcast network where everybody sees every single person's transaction, no matter how big, small, whatever. Lightning is a unicast layer. It is a way to create specific connections 
routes from one address to another address to another address until they reach the destination. And it has the same limitations. If you have, if we have a Bitcoin, you have a Bitcoin with somebody else, they have a Bitcoin, but then they've only got 100,000 sats to the destination. Well, you can only send 100,000 sats. Like that's the max that you can send um, because they have a weak connection into the Lightning Network with low bandwidth. Um, hmm. But nobody else has to care. Nobody else has to see it. Nobody else has to know about it. And as long as I leave my connection open, well, then we can do as we can do 100 transactions, we can do a thousand transactions, we can do a billion transactions. And the Bitcoin blockchain, the full nodes of the network that are defending the consensus rules and the monetary system don't have to give a shit that I'm buying coffee today. They don't even get bothered by it. They don't have to care that somebody's sending me 100 sats to upvote, you know, the next Lynn Alden piece as the one to listen to on the show. Who, who needs to know that information? Is if it's not relevant to securing the monetary system, well, then it shouldn't, it shouldn't be necessary. So mm -hmm. we establish a network on top of it that allows us to send payments back and forth without needing to burden the entire network. And now we can scale this thing a thousand X, 10,000 X. Hell, who knows? Um, mm -hmm. It's not a quote unquote scaling solution because there's no such thing. Scaling is an infinite problem. Um, and there will be hundreds of different scaling solutions or, or scaling um, alternatives, um, side chains, uh, shadow chain. I mean, like the, the, the breadth of the possibilities there, um, mm -hmm. uh, particularly even with Taproot, they even get better. Like, you know, we can make more and more complex arrangements um, that, uh, um, that don't have these huge burdens. Like Liquid is a great example of a federated sidechain, which is just a giant multi-sig. But now with Taproot, if Taproot gets activated, um, which, you know, fingers crossed, I think it's definitely going to, um, uh, then suddenly this giant multi-sig is no longer a giant, bulky, expensive transaction, but one key, one sig. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so those sorts of things become even more viable than they already are as scaling opportunities um, and, you know, trade offs for maybe needing to make sure you're watching the blockchain for a week to be able to properly settle uh, that transaction. If something if something goes wrong with your connection into mm -hmm. the Lightning network, but it's a way to think time. of addresses as connections, as establishing connections in a network rather than as static things where I just have Bitcoin and they're mine and nobody can move them except for me. Um, uh, yeah. So okay. So that, that was a really long explanation, but I hope that. No, that no. I think it makes sense because so like I, I, the email part or, you know, text message part where like the broadcast layer of the internet where it was mm -hmm. like, you know, your inbox will be getting blown up. And going, not my email, not mine, not for me, not for me. Um, that makes a ton of sense. And so, like, what is confusing to me, I guess, is the the settling. Um, so, like, let's say, you know, you and I both up upload a Bitcoin onto the Lightning Network. And, like, you know, just for example, I go and use a Lightning payment at Starbucks for coffee because mm -hmm. that's what everybody is so concerned with. Just buying coffee with, <laughs> um, yeah. but you go and buy it. Maybe you know it's five thousand sats or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that leaves my wallet, my Lightning wallet, and goes to Starbucks Lightning wallet, and then 
if for some reason Starbucks uses your services, they pay you 5,000 sats, like it moves that way. And then that opens a chain between me and you mm-hmm. for like future things where we don't even say, if we didn't even know each other, we could be like a part of a bigger chain that like yeah. sats could travel from, you know, someone that I know through me, through Starbucks, through you to somebody that, you know, yeah. 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 Okay. So basically um, the way to think about it in the context of quote unquote settling is that when you have Bitcoin on the lightning network, it's like having Bitcoin in escrow. And mm. when you've settled it, it's no longer in escrow. It's just in your account. So gotcha. you own it with valid um, signatures that say you can send it to a non-escrow account. And everybody has updated accordingly. And you also have a, uh, basically, uh, one of the other things you do when you update payments on Lightning is you share a secret for the previous state of the transaction so that um, basically you can steal the other person's coins if they ever broadcast an invalid state, which is why nobody does it because you're, you you're it's basically like giving over your private key to your channel party. Um, so, um uh, in doing so, you basically have uh, a signed state of this is how much Bitcoin I own. And you have a backup clause, an insurance clause that says if somebody says otherwise, I get to take their coins. And so everybody just moves forward and nobody cares. Like hmm. nobody wants to move backwards because backwards is dangerous. Yeah. Is, um, and uh, uh, and but it's in escrow with just the information that would allow you to just bring it back to your own personal address if you wanted to. But you still have all the valid information that says you own exactly how much you own. And when you send 5,000 to, like, let's say we have the, the um, uh, connection, we have a, a channel, and then you have one with Starbucks, I'd send you 5,000 sats in our channel, but then you have a different channel with Starbucks and you push them 5,000 sats in that one. So it's not the same 5,000 sats that moved. You got Mm -hmm. my 5,000 sats and then Starbucks got your 5,000 sats in a different connection and you still have 5,000 sats. You just moved it from one channel to the next. Okay. So your, your volume doesn't change. You just, yeah. The, the amount that we have in the channel doesn't change. And in fact, if Starbucks, or if somebody else sends me back 5,000 sats, it's going to be the same 5,000 sats that I just sent out, no matter mm-hmm. who it is, because it's just the one that's in our channel. Um, it's like uh, those little, those old calculators or whatever. You have the string and the beads and you slide them back oh, and yeah. forth. Um, it's like we're all holding one of those with other people. And so if I push you two beads, then to make sure that you're, you still have the same amount because I'm not paying you, you push two beads forward on another one. And yeah. we're all kind of holding these things together and we're just sliding beads back and forth. The beads never actually leave our thing. You know, they just yeah. stay right there and they slide from side to side. Okay. Um, uh, and um, uh, in doing so though, uh, uh, like you have um, like that 5,000 sats. I'm trying to remember exactly what the, the, the main heart of the question, I may have already answered it. There was something that felt like there was something else to your question that I wanted to touch on. You were talking about 5,000 sats through like, and like moving Starbucks. it. Yeah. Like, like I pay for it. So 5,000 sats comes from me. 
to them. So then I'm down 5,000 sats in my account. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. So you, you basically have a, what we do is uh, remember I was talking about, like we have a valid uh, multi-sig escrow agreement that says I, um, let's, let's just say we have, for the sake of simplicity, I have a million sats, you have a million sats. Mm-hmm. Then if I send 5,000 to Starbucks, then suddenly you own a million 5,000 and I own uh, 5,000 less. <laughs> I own 900,995. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, what we do is we update that agreement that we both sign and then we mm-hmm. hand over our secret for the last version. So now to go back to the state where you have a million and I have a million, I have given you the key that would let you to take all million of my sats. Um, And uh, so now we have, that's your insurance clause that says, I am not going to broadcast that one because if I broadcast it, you can take it from me. Um, And uh, the new one, we just updated it. So our new escrow now says that you have a million 5,000 and I have 995. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that makes sense. We still have the same assurances as the last set, as the last update, because uh, it's the only one that's valid now, or it's the mm-hmm. only one where we both independently own it, um, and the other person cannot challenge us on it. Okay. So then, it, then at that point, you can go to chain. You can go back on chain with the with correct my amount. Nine hundred and ninety-five. As yeah. long as it's the right amount. As long as it's the right amount. If I give the the piece of math that uh, um, I gave you the secret key to of the one million, well, then that allows you uh, because it's an old state and because you're not going to um, sign it when I broadcast it, uh, I have to wait a week. And now you have a week with my secret key that says I want all of your coins. <laughs> um, That's yeah. So you would never I'm do that. Absolutely stupid as hell to attempt to do that. Whereas our current valid state of me with 995,000, you with a million five, um, is like, we can both broadcast and sign right now. Everything's fine. Everybody's safe. Everybody owns exactly what they own. Okay. Um, And we can update that a billion times. We can update that as many times as we want. And it is always the same security uh, with the last final state of it as it ever was with the first state or the second state. It's just Bitcoin in escrow. Um, okay. With an insurance clause. All right. That makes sense to me. It is mind blowing. Um, and it's I mean, crazy. I would imagine. Lightning was a really fascinating. When I read the white paper the first time, I had to read it like four or five times. Um, like wrapping my head around the idea of the lightning network was as complex and counterintuitive to me as originally thinking of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Like when I was trying to figure out how Bitcoin worked and how it, like the game theory and stuff involved, it was fascinating. Lightning, God, I just, I cannot believe the people who dismiss Lightning because it seems like a breakthrough in its own right um, that was just mind blowing to me. And it seems so obvious in retrospect that we had to have a unicast layer. You know, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. have to have a way to send payments directly peer to peer that doesn't burden the entire network with payments. You're never going to scale that to grocery payments. Like it's just, re- it's an absolute absurd assumption. Um, and on the and- flip side, you're never going to be able to have a payment system 
that is secure in being a store of value, you know, yeah. with, because yeah. without never the consensus. never be able to like establish the monetary rules, like, like make a strong distributed monetary base. If everybody has to process every transaction in the whole freaking world, just to know if it's correct or not, just to know mm-hmm. if the money's safe. Um, and that's basically what Bitcoin is. So it becomes this bedrock for establishing entirely new connections, entirely new networks and layers upon layers of uh, net of payment networks of uh, systems and um, pay- payment systems, uh, contract systems, application systems, and everything that we build on top of it. Okay. So the yeah. So in in the future, I mean, there's not going to be banks because banks won't exist. Um, <laughs> you know, at least the ones <laughs> we know today will not exist. Um, I think they will. I think they will operate it in a completely different context. They will not be banks as we know them rehypothecate, right? You give them your money custodially, and then they loan out money against your money, and uh, and then pretend that you still have your money too, um, mm-hmm. and you don't get any shares of their twenty percent interest rate that they do on their credit card. Um, <clears throat> so uh, that was never sustainable, and mm-hmm. uh, it's essentially counterfeiting. So banks in that context, no, they will absolutely not exist. But I think there will be a huge, there will still be a huge and incredibly broad and amazing market for financial services. I think most will be Mm -hmm. non-custodial. I think there will be a huge opportunity for financial services that pay, that have small fees for the explicit amount of time that things are locked or in some certain arrangement that have, um, excuse me, that have uh, um, any amount of code, like uh, the Lightning Labs pool is such a great example, is that they are basically an exchange that are matching the bid and ask of different people who want Lightning liquidity and people who have Lightning liquidity to open up channels with each other. Um, And it's entirely non-custodial. You basically lift it up into this shadow chain and... um, uh, then they can execute whatever application. It's completely program agnostic. They can write it in any language. They can write it in any degree of complexity or whatever they want. Um, then they match the buyer with the seller and they never have control over the funds. And they are essentially a financial service that never has custodianship of anybody's money. And everybody always has the ability to say, no, I just don't want to do this give me my coins back. They can publish it to the blockchain. Um, mm. But they don't want to because they're there to make a return and make an interest, make it liquidity. You know, they're there to match somebody with a market. Hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, so the banks won't exist as, as they are, but it'll basically be like lightning labs or something like that. will be what yeah. is determined to be a bank in the future. Financial services will become relevant to financial need again, and it will be what customers want and it will be about the uh, highest security and integrity um, as money becomes more and more a purely cryptographic thing. Um, they will be what they originally were, a place to keep money safe and do more with it. Mm-hmm. And that has been absolutely bastardized and poisoned over the last century um, and uh, until it's just a, the banking system is just a parasite. 
It's just um, it's funny money now. Cancer. It's just a giant cancer on society. Um, it's soaking up all of our resources, making themselves wealthy, and it is not providing us with a service. It's not keeping our money safe anymore. Um, it's just guaranteeing it, quote unquote, with counterfeit. Yeah, um, which just means that they get to soak up all of our resources, own everything. Um, they own all of our houses. We owe all of our houses. Think about it. The, the society that actually built and worked, made all the houses and all the products, owe them all by debt back to the banks. The banks didn't do anything. Who owns their house? That's crazy. The banks yeah. own all the freaking houses because they can loan money out of thin air. Yeah. If I gave you a loan that I didn't have to work for, if I could just write down that I have $100,000 and I give you a $100,000 loan, I made myself an asset. Yeah. I, I am now $100,000 richer. Like, yeah. that's it. You, you now owe me $100,000 of your life. And I didn't do shit. I didn't do anything. You like, just wrote it down on a piece of paper. Fraud. That is fraud. Yeah. And that's what our banks do. Um, that will go away. And that cannot go away quick enough. Yeah. in my opinion i wish it would just crash and we would sort through the shit um because it, it needs to um it is it is an absolute cancer yeah i agree um yeah that's a, so i had surfer jim on and uh and i can't oh, uh, i, I can't stop that one i bet that's fun oh yeah it was great i can't stop uh referring to um like banks politicians media as parasites because it's yeah. like he just kept calling them parasites and he was are, like man. he was like so because some person wrote some words on a piece of paper you know if you don't make your payment on your mortgage they can come and take your real house like what why you know <laughs> <laughs> like dude yeah he was he was great um but the uh okay well Dude, thank you so much for coming on. I don't want to take up too much of your time uh, because we've already, wow. Yeah, we've gone a while. Um, That's how and we Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll have to maybe do some, you know, future ones. Like I, I, I know I was pinging you about different stuff and, and we covered a lot of it. But uh, I feel like you might, you're probably one of the people that have like the origin knowledge of like Bitcoin, you know what I mean? Where it's like, <laughs> it's like, Oh, explain this. How's this going to affect everything? Cause you've kind of lived through it. So, um, uh, it, what do you, what do you see happening in the near term just to get your update? Cause we've been waffling here between 63,000 and 48,000 for like two months now. Oh, price wise. Um, the longer we go, um, I think the longer we're stable, the, uh, the greater the likelihood that we go up again, um, uh, I was able to, uh, stack quite a bit when we jumped down to 48 and 47, I was super stoked. Um, and, uh, been stacking the whole way. Um, I mean, I guess it could fall. I mean, we don't really know it will respond to news or, you know, any yeah. regulation or anything like that. Um, but, uh, typically a long time sideways during a bull market means, a greater, a constant greater pressure to go up. Um, it's going to explode sooner rather we've been, than later. We've been hanging around at 58, like 50, 56 to 59, quite a bit, quite a bit. Yeah. I, I, I think we got, I think we have upper pressure coming, um, particularly with all so. this all coin crap. Um, yeah. Usually, uh, usually a lot of that money floods into Bitcoin after people, you know, cash one out. The, one of the pump and dumps goes its full cycle. Yeah. So you like want something like Doge or 
yeah. start to dump. Yeah, yeah. Then, then uh, that that liquidity is gonna yeah. switch right over. And sometimes, sometimes it's Bitcoin finally starting to go up that actually causes the dump. Um, mm. You know, people people get scared that they're missing out. You know, it's a it's a constant FOMO cycle of where do I throw stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, uh, but yeah, I think in the short term, like my focus right now is Taproot. Like I want Taproot to activate really bad. Um, yeah. So, uh, and of course, I don't know if this is for, um, if they're just being belligerent or what, but the major mining pools that aren't doing it, except for Ant Pool. Ant Pool is actually a big blocker. Um, uh, but BTC.com, via BTC, BTC.top that aren't doing that are the same ones that we argued with over the user-activated software kind yeah. of for SegWit for so damn long. Um, They're being so, uh, pains in the asses again. Yeah, yeah. But uh, maybe, they're just, maybe they're just lazy and they'll get to it. But uh, otherwise, I got the user-activated software in my back pocket in my yeah. second node waiting yeah. just in case. Ready to just kick off and, and take off. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping we get an explosion upward soon here. Um, although I wouldn't mind... I if one more dip down to 48. I like put in like It'd a bunch nice. of, I put in a bunch of sell orders or a bunch yeah. of buy orders. I mean, um, yeah. so I have that just <laughs> sitting there waiting. Cause it's, it's this, I found the, the unique like push and pull of wanting it to go up, but not go up. Mm-hmm. Cause now like for a while now on this bull run, I've been like, you know, putting like buy orders back where like, I think it could dip again. Mm-hmm. And then like it starts going up and you're like, yay, kind of like, but then it's like, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I should have just bought it at 55, I guess I shouldn't have waited to 48, but um, yeah, I don't, we'll see what happens here. And uh, in, I, I just did a thread yesterday cause I couldn't take it anymore. Maybe it was two days ago or something. Just I was so sick of the doge stuff and like I was like, this is why I hate it, and <laughs> I think it's just so irresponsible of Elon to be like pumping that stuff. And yeah, that is what it is. That's that's, a, that's why you gotta be careful. I think with like you know, whenever he bought Bitcoin, and like so many people were like, Elon, Elon, yes, our hero, you know. And I'm like, yeah, no, like you can't you can't can't push people up on a pedestal because uh, it's not about the people that buy it; it's about it itself and what you believe in it so yeah um yeah i hear you all right man well hey thanks for coming on everybody uh thanks for tagging along for this uh this this mind-bending uh it it, it, it just <laughs> keep is there a bitcoin audible that people can listen to like the white paper of lightning uh yeah actually read i think it's read 100 i think it's actually the the 100th that i uh read the white paper um and uh, uh, probably the recent ones, um, particularly for anybody new, uh, my two recent guys takes, I've been trying to hit some of the main foundational pieces or uh, foundational ideas and like kind of philosophies behind Bitcoin. Um, guys take 44 is Bitcoin is not what you think it is. And then 45, uh, just like a end of last week sometime uh, is a mental framework for scaling. And it's got a lot of the analogies on the broadcast versus unicast. Uh, thing and uh, I think a, a lot of people have uh, given me pretty good feedback on that one saying that it's a lot of great analogies into thinking about the engineering of these things 
Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I, uh, uh, you know, I really enjoy those. Um, and, uh, not to put more pressure on you cause I know you <laughs> speak into a microphone a lot. Um, so you read these things and then to do the guys takes, I'm sure it's like, it takes even more, you know, time and whatnot, but, uh, but I think they're, they're pretty, pretty darn good. So, uh, I would I uh, strongly recommend that to anybody that's listening. Also, I mean, I don't know if this is, uh, you know, probably more a compliment than it is an insult to my ability to comprehend things. But I, <laughs> um, but I find myself re-listening to a lot of podcasts because mm-hmm. there's so much information, and um, you don't, you never get to soak it all up in all no. the, like the first time. Very, very good for re-listening. Yeah. Yeah, so I would recommend everybody just dive down the the Bitcoin Audible, and now people can vote right on whatever they want. Yeah, they can... yeah. So, so I basically uh, on the BitcoinAudible.com slash vote is a great way to play around with Lightning. Um, like, like you can just like send a hundred Sats to it or whatever, and then you like bump it up like a hundred votes. Um, and uh, mostly, it, like. Like I'm still just the one putting stuff up there and I pretty much intend to do an audio, everything on the, sh- on that website. It's basically a way to say, I would really like to hear this one soon rather than later. I don't yeah. always get to all of them, you know? Um, so that I might end up having to drop some of the ones that don't get any love uh, off and just end up being bogged down with so much new stuff that some of it doesn't get made in audio. Um, but yeah, if you, uh, if you want to share your opinion or be like, oh, definitely the Lynn Alden piece or definitely the Breed Love piece or whatever the hell it is, um, yeah, throw 10 sats on top of it or something. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right, guy. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Thanks, dude.